Hello everyone, this is Rachel Zabonachanko, Editor-in-Chief of Club Solutions Magazine. This episode is brought to you by MX Metrics, the world's leading experts on operational customer experience management and the only company that solely focuses on the fitness and wellness industry. First off, I'd like to say Happy New Year. I hope everyone is having a really successful New Year's rush. And I hope you enjoy this next conversation featuring Bill McBride, the president and CEO of Active Wellness. We had a really great discussion surrounding the top fitness trends club operators need to be aware of in 2020. Let's start off the conversation by just touching on the state of the fitness industry in general. Recent reports state there are around 62 million members across 39,000 clubs. And while we have more clubs and more members, competition is increasing. It seems the key to a club's success will be driving more revenue per member. In your opinion, what are some potentially good profit centers or opportunities a club should be exploring? That's a, a great topic. We're seeing all this growth in different business models, which is very exciting. But with all these new products and all these new boxes, we're also seeing uh, a lot of locations with less net members than they had before based on the growth somewhat outpacing the demand, even though demand is growing as well. So we have more clubs, more members, but in some cases that's causing uh, some locations to have a decline in net membership. So, you know, when you look at, at that circumstance, that landscape, I like to look at what are the opportunities to be a full service solution for the consumer? What other aspects of our product should we be offering consumers to enhance their experience, enhance their results, enhance their outcomes? And that typically falls in services that are baked into your dues and also services that are uh, extra fee for service, uh, extra ancillary revenue lines. So I think it's very important for club operators, especially multi-purpose club operators in the traditional fitness space to be really, really honed in on revenue per member and how to increase ancillary spend with offering a wider breadth of solutions for the consumer. And I purposely use the word consumer versus member because things have changed quite a bit with regard to that. We have a, a lot more consumers using fitness products that are not opting for actual membership. They're paying as you go, and, and that's another evolution that the, uh, the studio and boutique models have ushered in. So I, I'm a big proponent in this revenue per member and ancillary service focus and strategy. Yeah, what are some possible ideas um, or ways that a club could increase ancillary revenue? I know that you've talked a little bit about retail before, cryotherapy, medical integration. You know, what to you are some of the biggest opportunities for a club operator right now? I think that, um, you know, right now when you look at URSA, data and consumer spending data, you know, personal training and fitness training still seem to be the top for health club operators as far as revenue. You know, I believe in a continuum of fitness product. I'll start there where you have personal training, which is one-on-one. You have buddy training, which is, you know, two clients to one trainer. You have small group training that could be anywhere from three or more up to, you know, some people believe the magic number is five or six. Some go up to 10. Um, and then you have boot camp type programs, you know, with more than 10 folks in a, in a group, you know, boot camp type environment. So I, I think that clubs should have a product line that reaches the continuum of all consumers with different options. And I don't believe that boot camps necessarily cannibalize individual training. I think that they all can coexist nicely as a package of offering to reach a broader amount of the membership base from a price point standpoint and also from a, a motivational and efficacy standpoint based on the consumer's needs. So you have the personal training opportunity to refine and, and enhance that menu of services to serve a broader reach of the consumer base, the membership base, and then you have a lot of other things. I think our industry, our traditional industry, has not 
thought as themselves a retailer. They've thought more as a subscription club model. And I think we should spend more time thinking about ourselves as a, as a retailer. You're seeing a lot of that in the, in the specialty space with apparel and other lifestyle products. So what can we do on the retail front? And retail, I'm, I'm talking about apparel. I'm talking about potentially nutraceuticals and supplements. I'm talking about food and beverage. I'm talking about all those things that, uh, that we have storefront capacity to and, and, a, and a client base coming in to uh, to enhance uh, those retail spending opportunities with more offering. So you've got um, the fitness components, you've got the retail mindset, and then there's a lot of things going on now in different uh, aspects of our industry. You know, we all hear a lot about recovery right now, cryotherapy, hydro massage beds, other massage type beds, infrared saunas, light therapy, oxygen therapy, high altitude training, infused waters. You know, so you have all these other things that are available that are opportunities for uh, clubs to look at, fitness facilities to look at to enhance their their membership offering with bundling, to enhance their service lines with profit centers. And so I think um, rather than look at this business as this is just the way gyms and clubs have always been done and here's what they offer, really thinking through the aspects of what I like to call the fitness, wellness, medical continuum. You know, where are our consumers and potential consumers on that fitness, wellness, medical timeline of, of services? And how do we have product that serves the needs, you know, depending on where those people are at various stages and conditions? Well, you know, speaking of the fitness, health, medicine continuum, where do you think that that's going to be headed in 2020 and what should club operators be thinking of? We historically have, have only been a heavily big part of 25% of the population. And that leaves 75%, and you can pick which numbers you want to use, you know, that aren't using commercial fitness facilities for activity. We have a, an issue with regard to, in a lot of cases, we're prolonging life through medicine, but we're not prolonging quality of life. And, you know, one of the goals of, of active living should be reduced uh, morbidity, where we live a full, healthy life and then at the end of that life, we have a compressed period of morbidity where you're not living, you know, the way you were the majority. And, and right now, you know, I think by age 65, there's a huge percentage of people that have at least two, if not three, chronic conditions. You know, so for me, I think there's an opportunity for active aging, for appealing to the modern elder, for being a place that is focused on not just working out and training, but living a healthy and active life. And, you know, a healthy, active life, you know, has three main components, sleep, exercise and nutrition. How do we how do we look at it from from that mindset direct to the consumer, but also through the medical community? You know, how are we integrating with physical therapy, with alternative treatments, with the mainstream medical populations, with primary care physicians, with specialization on on post rehab? You know, so I think that um, not to turn, you know, all aspects of all health clubs into medical wellness centers necessarily, which is not a bad thing, but to have wellness as one of the pillars and key components of the offering of a traditional uh, multi-purpose you know, facility. 
a lot of my friends in the industry have these beautiful, you know, multi-purpose facilities with a long history of community service and legacy. And, and they may have sports, they may have fitness, they may have social food and beverage, they may or may not have tennis, they may have aquatics. And I think along with those main categories, there ought to be some thought and offering to wellness and, and transitioning from that's a social fitness active, you know, everybody there is in shape to that's a place for all bodies, all conditions in all stages of life. Yeah. So you feel like some club operators are maybe still hyper-focused on just the fitness component? Yeah, I, I think um, I think a lot of people want to have wellness offerings, but they don't know how to integrate that, I don't want to say story, but story and, and perception of their facility into their overall reputation and history. That's the hip, cool place to be. And by the way, they do an amazing job at helping people live a healthier, longer uh, life through prevention and activity through, you know, a, a, a well lifestyle. So I think it just needs to be elevated in what a club is and, and what it does, who it is versus just an activity or background task, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Do you have any advice as to maybe how they could overcome that challenge and maybe shift their mindset? Well, I mean, um, authenticity is one, right? Um, what programs do you really offer? Who are you associated with in the community that are thought leaders in this space? How have you designed your spaces, you know, to deliver in these ways? And, and, you know, it's design is a, is a really interesting thing. I've got several architects in the industry that I'm, I'm very uh, impressed with and, and like to learn from. And, you know, the designing of spaces to make people more comfortable is really more important than ever. You know, we used to have a lot of linear equipment lines and locker rooms with rows. And, you know, we're learning that, you know, zig zigzag type patterns in locker rooms allow for people to feel more comfortable with a sense of privacy or semi-privacy. Circular design with regard to equipment layouts is gaining a lot of traction. You know, it's more interesting. It causes more sense of community with interaction with other people. You know, there's the who, who you associate with in your community in this type of space, how you appropriate spaces for it, how you're authentic to the programming. You know, there's a lot of components to it versus we have a wellness program in the multi-purpose studio on Tuesday nights at 630. You know, it should be more of a, an integrated way of doing business than simply a, a background task, as I, as I suggested. Yeah. Well, speaking of wellness, recovery was a big buzzword in 2019. Why do you think this was the case? And do you think that this will continue to increase in a popularity? I'm guessing so, considering, you know, wellness becoming more important. Yes. I, you know, I just returned not too long ago from Tokyo and they're doing a lot of stuff in recovery and EMS, uh, electric muscle stimulation while exercising a lot with compression therapy and compression sleeves. And we're doing a lot of that, but some of what we're doing, you know, in, in some of these spaces with electronic muscle stimulation and, and, and certain modalities is still dominated by the physical therapy world. And, you know, what I'm seeing in Japan and Asia is that they're mainstreaming the, some of those types of recovery and some of those types of modalities into a, a broader base of, of commercial health clubs. They're more in the general public realm. There's so much data on the benefits of cryotherapy and compression therapy and mechanisms for reducing, you know, inflammation and uh, electronic muscle stimulation and light therapy based on 
mood and energy. And so there's so much research now on recovery and other what I'll call more passive type of beneficial aspects to improve body function and, and body performance. You know, it's kind of a, a wild and wide open space as far as what do you want to do, you know, with your facility. We're actually seeing recovery centers positioned next to traditional fitness facilities, you know, that are offering some of these recovery uh, modalities. And, and there's a blurred line between some of the things that are somewhat less active or more passive and, and in the whole recovery space. You know, I'm a big fan of the benefits of, the, of vibration therapy and what PowerPlate does and, and others. You know, and there's so much out there that we have dabbled with in a lot of locations, a couple of units here, a piece here, you know, but putting this recovery concept into recovery areas, creating spaces and, and focusing on, you know, not only you know, recovery, but rejuvenation and relaxation and stress reduction and, and all, all those types of things. So uh, I think it's huge. I think it's it's something that needs to be integrated again. In a design and space allocation way and as well as you know an integrated thought process and strategy versus let's oh that's cool let's just add that piece and that's cool let's just add one of those yeah yeah because there are so many recovery solutions and products out there like you mentioned what advice would you give for how a club should go about determining what products or solutions are the best fit for their audience should they do polls should they look at what offerings are currently in their market any advice that you can share there? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer in, in looking internally at what your members need and want. And a lot of times, you know, they don't know what they want and they may not know what they need. But looking at your membership base and go, what would be good for my membership base based on my demographics, based on the aging of my membership base? You know, when I talk about the modern elder and, you know, what what's sometimes referred to as seniors, right? There's actual seniors and modern elders in our facilities that know more about exercise and fitness and lifestyle than a lot of our staff, you know? The uh, the older baby boomers, you know, were the ones that started the industry. And, you know, some of these some of these folks have been members for, you know, longer than some of our staff have even been born. So really understanding the needs of the, of the consumer base in your facility and then looking broader to that, what are the needs in my community that, that aren't coming to my facility. What could I be doing to better serve the community needs by uh, by working on 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 programs that would uh, that would help impact the health and well-being and enjoyment of the community. So looking internally at your membership base, looking externally at your community profile, who's in your community and what needs do they have, and then looking at the competitive landscape to see where there's unmet needs, where nobody's doing what needs to be done, and you can fill that gap. So Surveying members per se, would you like us to add, you know, hydro massage, power plate, and compression? Most members will check. Yeah, that sounds cool. Let's add those. You know, so I'm not sure how effective just basic member surveying is. I find that understanding your membership base, you know, from an organizational standpoint, and even more focus group and individual interview kind of things can be more effective than just general surveying on things like that, because most people would like you to add more cool stuff. So. Yeah. Makes sense. And now we'll take a short break to hear a message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by MX Metrics, the world's leading experts on operational customer experience management and the only company that solely focuses on the fitness and wellness industry. 
MXM utilizes the world's best customer experience management technology to help clubs understand the entire member journey and enable continuous improvement of your product and increased loyalty from your members. MXM drives tactical day-to-day -day improvements as well as strategic business process changes and optimization of capital improvements. Improve the things that count and celebrate what members love. Well, let's shift gears a little bit to talk about technology. You mentioned you're still paying a lot of attention to technology solutions around fitness delivery, business analytics, and consumer analytics. Um, what are some specific examples you could share? You know, where do your members spend money? Who are your top uh, engaged members? We have a gentleman that, that works on our team that uh, I care for dearly and have the utmost respect to him, Dr. Mike Rucker. And, you know, he talks about big data, but you got all this data. And then what do you do with it? You know, how do you translate that information into actionable things that can have positive outcomes? You know, still, as rudimentary as it is, participation is one of the key stats to determine, you know, if somebody stays or, or, or goes with regard to their membership, right? If they're not using it over time, you know, typically we've learned that if somebody's not using the facility on a regular basis, 12 weeks is kind of the period of time before they, they kind of mentally check out and, and potentially quit. So how do you pick the most at-risk members at the right time to intervene and support them to get them re-engaged again? Exercise can be a very difficult behavioral change for people, you know, so a lot of people, you know, start with great intentions and they slip up. They don't succeed first time. So you know, we, we have a opportunity to not just sell memberships, but to be there when they slip and catch them and get them reengaged. And using data to pinpoint the right time to intervene can be helpful just from a basic usage standpoint. There's also other things to, to learn. We're doing some work with, uh, with Tanakh on facial recognition and some of the inferences that we're, we're getting about how people use treadmills and ellipticals and how that correlates to attrition rates, how people behave in a facility with regard to fitness on the fitness floor and fitness in the studios and classes. And so there's there's a lot of information with regard to how you uh, view your consumers' behaviors and then how do you provide product and support to, uh, to enhance those and guide those towards what you know are positive outcomes. So spend, usage, Consumer behavior on activity within the four walls, consumer behavior on activity outside of the walls, i.e. mobile apps and, and fitness programming that, that's inside and outside. Uh, MyZone's another technology. Most people know MyZone as measuring the heart rate during exercise, but you also can, can wear your belt outside of the facility and have a, you know, a comprehensive record and, and result report, you know, of, of, of the whole experience that you have with regard to your active levels. So, you know, technology is such a big thing. There's, there's technologies in back office operations, there's fitness technologies, there's technologies in how you process and how you do certain things, you know, that may or may not uh, be digital. There's mobile apps, there's wearables. But what most excites me is how do we learn from our consumers to better serve them on this very challenging arena of, of human behavior and behavioral change? Well, concerning big data, I think you're basically saying the key is to really determine what metrics or data that you need to pay attention to that are ultimately going to give you the biggest return. Is that correct? Yeah. And, you know, what are the key stats? I'm a big believer in whatever you measure, you get more of. So, you know, what are the key metrics that you want to move the dial on? 
you know, net membership growth, revenue per member, revenue per square foot, attrition, consumer usage, percentage of members engaged, you know, uh, so, so, you know, what are those key metrics and how do you use technologies to, to support you in understanding those metrics in a way that you can deliver differently? Medallia, you know, is another platform. Listen360 is another platform. You know, how do you use data from your members in real time to operationalize feedback so that you can create a better member experience and correct things operationally versus just respond to things that are complaints? And there is a big difference between what we'll call customer service, customer experience, and customer resolution of a problem. You know, those are three different arenas, and, and technology can play a big role in, in the member experience, customer experience, uh, management processes. Yeah. Well, when it comes to technology and specifically the implementation of it, are there maybe many common mistakes you see clubs making in terms of implementation? The challenges, Rachel, I I would say are are probably in that, and they're getting better, by the way, but still having multiple databases, having, you know, having a system of record, having everything talk to each other. So you have a member record that's complete and accurate, you know, plugging in what we refer to as a tech stack, you know, here's all the technologies we use. How do we combine them together to where they're integrated in a cohesive fashion so that we can not only manage the data, but we can also, you know, manage the customer's relationship with our organization. So everything from your member management system to CRM to member experience to rewards points to mobile applications that allow fitness outside of the walls and inside the walls to wearables, you know, how do you integrate all that stuff? And I, I think the integration of, of multiple um, technologies quite often from different vendors and suppliers um, into an integrated you know, platform that, that makes sense for the organization and the consumer. So I think that still poses one of the challenge. How do I make all this stuff work together? And then also, you know, Technology is only so much. It's still a human touch business. So, you know, we believe strongly that humans first, you know, technologies to support those human interactions. And so, you know, technology for technology's sake is cool, but what business problem or what consumer problem are you trying to solve with that technology? And if you can't clearly define that, you should question your interest in going down that path with that technology because it really should be solving a, a business consumer need. Yeah. Yeah. Let's um, use wearables as a specific example. Um, What is the applicability and limitations of wearables? I mean, from what I understand, wearables still have a hockey stick or reverse hockey stick, you know, a drop off point. I believe that Apple, the Apple Watch has the highest long term adherence. That's the product I currently use as my wearable, but but I've done Fitbit. I did a product way, way back in the day called the Body Bug. You know, so I'm very interested in this wearable space. I think there's a lot of future opportunity with wearables, especially in chronic disease management. You see now that there's the opportunity for your phone to to work as an EKG. I think that in diabetes, there's going to be a lot of opportunities already showing up, actually, about, you know, wearing a patch and being able to read your glucose levels. So the wearable space is, is really interesting to me. It has a lot of efficacy, I believe, in self-motivation and, and, and motivating individuals that, that are tracking results and being encouraged by artificial intelligence and so on. It's got a lot of opportunity in the medical space. 
and of course, you know, in the high performance athlete space, you know, where your small changes can have dramatic results in your times and those kinds of things. So I think, you know, wearables with regard to heart rate, wearables with regard to activity, I think they play a very important role in getting past that 20%, 25% of the population that's already, you know, self-initiated. How do you get people moving more? When I wear my Apple Watch, I walk more. Sometimes I even get mad at myself if I've taken off on a hike or something and I don't have my watch on. I'm like, ah, I'm not getting credit for these steps. You know, so there is a huge motivational attribute to wearables, and I think they are they're important. How clubs use wearables to serve their membership base is still, you know, there's still a lot of opportunity there. Traditionally, what we're seeing right now is clubs doing challenges for the most part and you know, groups tying in where your trainer can see your results and you can share you know, share your workouts with, with your friends and your trainers and those kinds of things. So from a social accountability, from a personal motivation, from, from challenges and, and friendly competition, you know, there's, there's still a lot that we can do to bring the wearable as part of the overall program versus it being, being just an external device. And this is where the heart rate stuff with MyZone and those have really done a nice job because they make it a part of the club environment and a part of the external environment for the consumer and tie in this, the training staff and the member. So they really do a nice job with the whole uh, surround sound around the MyZone uh, metrics. There's Polar and there's other heart rate you know, companies as well uh, as MyZone, but the same concept that you know, we're, we're really having an opportunity here to, to add value to the consumer working with the staff in an internal and external uh, environment. Yeah. Well, speaking of the consumer, I kind of want to circle back to something you mentioned earlier, and and that is that club operators need to think like retailers, not just subscription model health and fitness clubs. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I just think that retail and food and beverage and some of these things has kind of been more of a background task. You know, everything, not everything, but there's been a, a tremendous amount of focus on selling memberships with our subscription model and for those listeners that are as old as I am you know back in the day when our industry was forming it was kind of pay as you go in a way of tennis time seasonal tennis time court time and then the big technology breakthrough in our industry was was EFT you know where we're going to build people on a reoccurring manner on a monthly basis you've now got a situation where the boutiques and especially operators have introduced over the last however many years, 10 or whatever it's been, the pay-as-you-go models where you pay per class and you pay for access for a certain number of, of classes a week and so on. So uh, we're now seeing, I want to say, URSA data shows something like 18% of consumer fitness participants that do not have memberships that uh, in clubs though, that are using fitness facilities without a membership to those facilities. And these could be through aggregators such as ClassPass, or they could be, you know, fee pay-as-you-go, fee-based classes, you know, paying for each class and so on. So are you in the subscription fitness membership business or are you in the fitness business looking at consumers regardless if they ever become a sole member of your site? You know, I liken it to the old, railroad problem way back in the day. You know, they were in the railroad business. They weren't in the transportation business. They're two different industries. You know, are you in the, the fitness membership business or are you in the, the broader lifestyle business? And so I think that when you think as a retailer and you think of how do I provide my product to the most people possible that could benefit from it, 
let me figure out ways to reduce barriers and hassle and make it easier for people to do business with me and, and for me to provide my services versus making it more difficult. And, and so I think, you know, breaking that mold of I'm a membership business versus I'm a, a, uh, a lifestyle business that has membership, but also can serve people that don't want a membership. Yeah. Well, we've touched on a lot of trends um, in terms of like recovery, medical fitness, all types of stuff. I feel like it could be overwhelming for a club operator to think about staying on top of all these trends or trying to figure out, you know, what to incorporate. Is there any pieces of advice you could share for how they can make sure they're staying relevant and staying on top of this stuff? Yeah, I think, um, and, and there is a lot, and, and you don't want to boil the ocean. You want to take things that make sense for your particular business and your particular market. And so things that I, I look at, you know, are your studios branded as destination sites? You know, there's, you know, the vanilla all-purpose studio, even when they're beautifully anointed with mirrors and, and great wood, it still is nondescript in what, what it does. So taking on your studios and, and naming your studios and branding those spaces to be destination spaces and specific to, to certain functionality and attract people like-minded for those particular modalities. So that's one thing that, that I think we all should be really taking a good look at is our studio presentation and programming. Do we have the right programs? Do we have the right spaces? Do we have the studios branded and set up the right way? The functional training arena a lot of clubs that are really doing well in fitness, you know, one of their challenges is I need more more space for my trainers to work with clients. So thinking through space uh, allocation, you know, are there pieces of equipment that are redundant, that aren't used, that can be uh, reduced on your fitness floor to create more open training spaces? Or can you reconfigure certain things to create more training spaces? So, you know, how have you thought through your spaces for not only recovery, but training, and functional training. And so that's, you know, kind of a top of the list, you know, kind of item. I like the bundling approach with some of these services. You know, I like the bundling of things like the 3D scanners. You got Fit3D, you got Skyku. You may have others out there at this point. I like the visual fitness planners and InBodies and some of the assessment tools. I like the approach where for X number of dollars more per month, you can have this enhanced membership you know, offering maybe the recovery bundle, which includes, you know, X number of massages on the on the massage beds, you know, X number of scans, X number of, of assessments and so on. So I think looking at what can you add to your offering that allows the consumer to have a better experience, allows a revenue opportunity and also doesn't outprice you in the market for those that don't want to pay for those extra services. I think there's a lot of uh, opportunity there. So if I were going to give you a you know, three off the top, it would be really focusing on the group fitness experience from a programmatic, from a virtual, from a destination branding point of view, really looking at spaces to allow for stretching and small group training, uh, looking at, at recovery bundles and looking at tools that uh, allow the consumer to engage more with your fitness professionals with feedback. Those would be the, the things that I would, I would just go in the top of the list. A lot of the other stuff that really can help move the needle in your organization, like the member customer experience management, rewards, and all those kinds of things, those are relatively easy to do. You you get them going, you train the staff on, on the processes, and, and they kind of just go. So they're not really overwhelming. You know, when we're in a, a podcast throwing a bunch of stuff 
out there, some of it, you know, can be overwhelming, but really when you chunk it into, you know, what are we doing with people? What are we doing with product? What are we doing with processes? What are we doing, you know, in those areas that, then you can organize some of these things relatively easily. Perfect. Well, is there anything else that you want to share about fitness trends or the state of the fitness industry? No, I mean, I think that we're at a a point, you know, where there's a convergence of lots of stuff, right? There's more specialization and variety in fitness product, which expands consumer interest for all of us. There's a lot of talk about healthcare integration and preventative services and services that uh, traditionally were performed in clinical environments being offered in fitness facilities, registered dietitian services, you know, around BMI, around, around other things. So there's, there's the, the medical physician referral payer models that, that are there. There's the consumer awareness of, of all the specialization and variety of product. And, and there's an emphasis globally on the challenges we have with, with our children as far as activity with digital aspects and more telecommuters and, and people more in front of the screen. So there is a convergence of lots of things in the world that bodes well for what we provide people to make their lives better. You know, one other thing, Rachel, before, before we go back to, uh, back to the trends and what can operators do. You're seeing a lot of the big players in the industry adding workspace in their facilities, either for rental or just as a service to members. So when you're looking at your space, can somebody come there and work, get a snack or a full meal, enjoy things that they enjoy, get their activity in, and have a social component? So really looking at, at ourselves in the lens of, of a lifestyle versus you know a gym or a club or just a fitness center. I think that's important because... If you're a telecommuter and you work from home, you want to be around people at certain points. So if you can go to your club instead of Starbucks, you know, it just creates better outcomes for everybody. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Do you feel like some club operators might want to consider just thinking about how they consume as well and what are their, you know, habits and things that they're doing? Yeah, exactly. I work remotely when I'm not traveling to our sites and traveling with our team. And, you know, I find myself when I'm remote, when I'm in my remote office, I go to the bank more often inside. I go to the grocery store more often. I go around people more often because we're social creatures. We, even if we don't want to have in-depth conversations with a lot of people every day, we do tend to do better when we're around other human beings. And so being that place where people want to be because there's other people and there's energy and there's all the things that I need to live a healthy lifestyle and engage. You know, I just think that's a huge opportunity. And again, we're not in the fitness center business or the membership business. We're more in the lifestyle business. So again, it's the lens of what industry and what business you want to be in. Well, Bill, I really appreciate your time and sharing your insights with our audience. And thank you for being the first guest on the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Well, I'm very honored to be the first guest. I think what you do and the whole team at Club Solutions is absolutely wonderful. I love the magazine. I love the events that you guys put on. I think you guys are, are thought leaders that also humanize the industry a great deal. Could not be more honored um, to be a part of the podcast, be involved with the Club Solutions family, and, and to be a consumer of all your content. So, Rachel, I truly appreciate you and what you guys do. 
As you just heard, we've touched on a lot of different fitness trends and topics that club operators need to be aware of. It seems like club operators really need to be thinking about how they can increase revenue for a member and what profit centers they should be incorporating that serve the needs of their membership base. In addition, club operators should be thinking like retailers versus simply subscription-based businesses. What are some additional apparel, food, and beverage or lifestyle products you could incorporate to increase spending opportunities? Wellness as a whole has also been a really trending topic as clubs seek to treat all aspects of wellness, not just fitness. And in addition, Bill talked about the importance of looking at business analytics and big data. There is a lot of data at a club's disposal, so it's really important to look at the key metrics that really drive the best outcomes for your facility. Thanks again for listening, and I really hope everyone has an awesome new year.